brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. This is the gospel of the Lord. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Well, I never thought I would call Jesus a party pooper. But he's talking to his disciples right before they're about to go out to all of Israel, to their own households, to their own people, their own cities. And they're about to proclaim something new. And this is the inspiring speech that Jesus has for them. You will be hated (laughs) for my name's sake. And we didn't read it in the gospel reading today. I wish I would have caught this sooner. But we read until verse 33 in the gospel reading. Verse 34, Jesus is continuing for a few more paragraphs this inspirational speech right before they go out. In verse 34, you know what Jesus says? He says this. He says to his disciples, don't think, don't imagine, don't even assume I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah, Jesus is not sugarcoating anything here in the gospel reading. Well, let's make our beginning in the name of Jesus. Grace, mercy, and... Well, no. Grace and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who did not come to bring peace, but division. Amen. It's a difficult reading. It's not that difficult to understand. Here it is. The name of Jesus brings division. That's it. See, here you thought in our country, in our day and age, that it was the two-party political system. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Ron DeSantis, Gavin Newsom. You thought it was the two-party political party thing that we, uh, you think that divides us? Think again. There is nobody who has ever existed, there is no one who will ever exist that will be more divisive than Jesus Christ. It's true. Bringing up the name of Jesus causes anger and anxiety in many of us. And for others of us, it causes hope within us. And here in the gospel reading, Jesus is telling his disciples who are about to go out to Israel, he's telling them what they can expect when they follow him. What they can expect when they're his disciple, when they begin their ministry. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, That is what can be expected when you follow Jesus Christ. You know, I really need to talk to Pastor Kaiser. Pastor Kaiser teaches our Christianity 101 class. He teaches um, the new member class. That's what it is. And I have a great idea for him. I I don't know what he thinks about it. But here's my idea. I think for the first session of the new member class, I think he should give some sort of warm, welcoming gift from St. Lawrence to the new member. And somewhere on the gift, it should should say, Welcome to St. Lawrence, where you will be hated for the name of Jesus. And I I imagine that some of the new members' responses to that might be something like this. We didn't sign up for this. And I wonder if some of you guys sitting in this room right now are thinking the same thing. I didn't sign up for this. 
And I think this is probably why many kids who go off to college, you know, when they're no longer under the authoritative thumb of their parents to go to church, I think the reason why many kids, when they go off to college, the trend is they don't go to church. And I think the reason why is because deep down, they finally figure it out. They go, well, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. To be a Christian in our culture today, the name of Jesus just brings conflict. It's a difficult reading. It's not difficult to understand. Jesus brings conflict. He brings a sword. He brings division. Many of us know that it's easier not to bring up your allegiance to Jesus in conversations. That's not really how conversations go normally. It's, it's easier to keep your faith private. It's, many of you know that if you want to keep the peace in some conversations, it's better to not mention Jesus, not to bring him up at all. And then that way the conversation can be nice. But it was especially awkward. Oh yeah, this is, sorry. If you, if you do, if you want to make the conversation awkward, then bring him up, right? Bring up Jesus if you want to make it awkward. And it was especially awkward for the disciples who were about to go to the house of Israel, to their own brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, because they have had their tradition for a thousand years. And here Jesus is sending them out. They're about to shake things up. They're coming with the message to go town to town because judgment is coming. And so they go because Jesus said, follow me. Do what I do. So they proclaim the message. And it's interesting. We only ever read certain parts of scripture during church services, but we, we really ought to read whole units so we get context and stuff like that. But what's, what's really happened, one of the things that happens is as the disciples are going town to town, if there was a town or city or people group that take them in and are receptive to the proclamation, to the message, you know what it's accompanied by? Healing and driving out unclean spirits and driving out demons. And the proclamation and the message went forth and the message that the disciples were bringing to their own brothers, to their own family members that would divide the house divide their own families right in half. The message was this. The kingdom of heaven is here. God is here in flesh and blood. He's with us. And his name is Jesus. So the question has to be asked. Why did Jesus come? After all, we didn't sign up for a tension-filled life in this world. We didn't realize that's what came with following him. Well, if you want to know the answer to why he came, then you should have come to VBS this last week because the theme for VBS was all about the kingdom of God, keepers of the kingdom. And throughout the week of VBS, the kids learn that there's a battle going on and that if you're a part of the kingdom of God, which you are, if you follow him, then really you, you ought to put on the full armor of God. And so what the kids learned all week is this metaphor that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6, that if, you, if you're in the kingdom of God, then you should put on the full armor of God. And so they got to learn each piece of the armor of God and what it means, some sort of significance behind it. But they learned that we're in a battle. That's why Jesus came. There is a war happening right now over your soul. And we often forget to look at the entirety of scripture in the full context, but God has waged war against evil in Genesis chapter three. 
There is a war, and it's not a war between ethical behavior, ethics. It's not a war, it's not a culture war to win over the culture of the United States. That's not what the war is about. It's not even a war between good and evil. The war is between God and evil. This is why we celebrate Christmas, that little baby. Because on that day, God came in flesh and blood, our champion, to the front lines of the war. We call him Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. He doesn't leave us in an evil world to fend for ourselves. No, he comes waging war. He comes with a sword. He comes for an epic battle. And so he says to his disciples, follow me. And he tells them plainly what to expect. He basically says, there is no good place to stand in war. It's going to hurt. It makes for a difficult life, actually. But he says it anyway. Follow me into the battle. And so the disciples were urgently being sent out to their own people before judgment came. And they knew the expectation. Jesus had told them plainly, but he still sent them out urgently. And they went. And his kingdom was breaking into this dark world through those very disciples. And it was not easy. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom that brings life, breaking in through the disciples, well, the disciples were just following their champion, Jesus. If you look at that whole unit, like I said, it's, it'd really be nice if we covered whole units when we read the, the readings here. If you look at the whole unit, just a few chapters earlier, do you know what Jesus himself was doing? He was going town to town. He was driving out demons and unclean spirits. He was proclaiming that the kingdom of God was here. He wasn't asking the disciples to do something that he wasn't already doing himself. And they were his servants. I don't know if you caught it in the gospel reading. So he said, Jesus says to them, a servant is not above their master. Jesus is the master of the house. He is our Lord and Savior. And if they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, then how much more will they to you? In other words, if they have crucified and hated, right, I'm speaking hindsight here, but if they have crucified and hated Jesus, how much more will they hate you? We follow Jesus. And they crucified him. They hated him. They're going to hate you. And they will call you things that aren't true. There's going to be a lot of miscommunication in our day and age with the gospel message. People don't get it. They don't get the full message all the time. It's usually between debating online and social media. They're never actually getting the gospel message. But they're going to call you intolerant. They're going to call you ignorant. They're going to, they're going to say things like, love is love. And while they say that, they're going to be hating you calling you hateful because you don't love evil. But Jesus says it anyway, even though it's complicated, even though it's a battle, follow me. And so we do. You know, last week when we were in VBS and we were going over the armor pieces of God, I came to a realization that every piece of armor and the full armor of God has a direct connection to Jesus in the book of Ephesians. 
And by putting on the full armor of God, you are actually putting on Jesus. He goes with you. Yes, we follow him. He's the one we follow, but he's also with us. He doesn't leave us. But I think my favorite part in Ephesians chapter 6, you get past all the armor of God stuff, and Paul writes this. He actually asks the people of Ephesus to pray for him. He says, pray for me. He says, pray that my mouth may be opened boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And we need that same prayer today for us. We need to pray for the wisdom in how to communicate the gospel message in this day and age. We need the wisdom for how to communicate the gospel to our own families and homes that might be divided. We need the wisdom to communicate to our own family members who have possibly already disowned and rejected Jesus Christ. Yes, some of us in our own homes have denied Jesus. We are in a battle against the present darkness and spiritual forces of evil. That's how Paul says it in Ephesians, whether you like it or not. So follow him. You, you know the wonderful part about following Jesus? Just think about it. When you follow Jesus, you're never going anywhere that he hasn't already been. That's the neat part about following him. He's led the way. He was already doing the things he was asking his disciples to do. He does it himself. He won't ask you to do something that he isn't already at work at himself. He, we follow him to territory that he's already discovered. He's already been hated. He goes before us. He knows what lies ahead. So do not fear. Even though he leads us to the valley of the shadow of death, we go in because he's already been through it. He knows what's on the other side. So follow him into this battle. He can empathize with your hurt and pain. He can sympathize with you. If your heart hurts because you have a coworker or a family member or maybe your very own children who are grown up who have rejected Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, if your heart is in pain over that, then get this. The heart of Jesus was hurting first before you came along. If your heart is in pain for our culture because you think it's trending in a way that just denies the truth, then get this. The heart of Jesus was already hurting for that before you ever came along. So follow him. After all, it is he who came to wage war against evil that held us captive. It's he who came for you and me and our family and everybody else out there. So follow him. Follow him in the most anticlimactic battle you will ever see because you already know who wins. So don't be afraid. Follow him. As I was writing my sermon the other day, I came across this realization as well. God came to wage war against evil, but we're sinners. We're evil. But look what he chooses to do with you. 
He came to call back sinners to him. And he calls you to follow him. But read the word of God and see where he takes you. Go ahead, follow him. Look where he leads you. Jesus leads you to the cross. He leads you to the place of the cross where the greatest division of a household has ever happened. Think about it. Follow him. He'll take you to the cross to where the division between Jesus and his own heavenly father happened. He takes you to the cross where your sin was taken upon him and he died for you, causing his own father in heaven to forsake him so that we may be called children of God in his place. The very sword that Jesus brought, he made it fall upon himself for you. He brought division between himself and the very substance of the Trinity, his own household, so that you could have the gift of eternal life, so that you could have peace. So follow him. See where he takes you. Go proclaim this gospel message. He is sending you out. Go proclaim this gospel message and follow him. Go proclaim this message into the dark, evil world and go tell them that love is not an abstract concept. Love is flesh and blood and, and love has a name. The name of Jesus, our champion, the one we follow, our savior. We're gonna pray here in a second and in the prayer, there's gonna be a little pause. And what I want you to do is in that pause, I want you to think of the names of people in your own life, your own family that might be divided. Maybe it's your children who are grown up. Maybe it's brothers and sisters, parents. Maybe it's coworkers who are right there. They've heard the message. You've had conversations with them before, but they've rejected it. They haven't, it hasn't totally, it hasn't totally made its way into their heart yet. Think of those people during the pause. Let's pray. Lord, soften the hearts of those who have rejected you, of those that we name in our hearts and minds right now. Father, give us the wisdom to know what to say. Give us the wisdom to know how to proclaim the gospel message in this time and place, in this culture, to our own families. Lord, help us not be afraid to follow you in this battle. And thank you, Jesus. You are our champion who sacrificed yourself on the battlefield so that we may live and have peace. In Jesus' name, amen.